Why on earth are you here? Why was man created? And what is our purpose in life? Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Ammons. Welcome to Truth 101, a podcast where we talk about systematic theology of the Christian faith. And I'm glad that you've joined us. We're now turning our attention in the 400 series to the doctrine of humanity. In the 100 series, we saw the doctrine of God. In the 200 series, the doctrine of Jesus. In the 300 series, we talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've been asked about the gifts of the Spirit, and that is so detailed. Uh, we'll, we'll cover that in a separate series a little bit later on. So don't think we're leaving the gifts of the Holy Spirit out in, after moving on from the 300 series of the Holy Spirit. So we'll address that in another series later on. But in this 400 series, we're turning our attention now to the doctrine of humanity. Some call it the doctrine of man. And we're going to be looking in this podcast at at why man was created and what is our purpose in life. And so we'll talk about that just a little bit in this series, then we'll get into other aspects in the next podcast. Next episode, we'll be talking about what it means to be created in the image of God. Now, first of all, as we begin this 400 series, I believe I need to address one issue concerning this doctrine, and that is, is it the doctrine of man or is it the doctrine of humanity? I think I need to say a brief word about that as, as we continue. And some say it, it is... Today, uh, people object to ever using the word man to refer to the human race in general, which includes both men and women. Because it is claimed, well, if you say the doctrine of man, that, that's being insensitive to women. And those who make this objection would prefer that we use only gender-neutral terms, such as the doctrine of humanity or the doctrine of humankind or the doctrine of human beings, or the doctrine of persons to refer to the entire human race. And some say the reason that is that you should use the doctrine of man is because some say in Genesis 5, 1 and 2, we read, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them. And then it says the phrase, and named them man when they were created. That's from Genesis 5, 1 and 2. So that's the reason some people still use the, 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 the terminology, the doctrine of man, is because that's, the, that's what God used uh, in Genesis 5, 1 and 2 when he created them. He called both of them man or mankind. Now, the Hebrew term translated man is the word Adam, A-D-A-M. The same term used for the name of the first man, Adam, or Adam. And this was the same word that's, that's been used eight times in Genesis 2 to refer to the man in distinction from the woman. For example, Genesis 2.22 says in the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her unto man. And so eight different times in Genesis 2 and 3 God uses the word man. So a lot of people say the practice of using the term 
to refer uh, to a male human being and to name the human race really is a practice that originated with God himself. And so we should not find it objectionable or insensitive. That's what a lot of people say. So whenever they, they use the term man, they're not being insensitive to women. They're simply using it because that was the designation God gave to humanity in Genesis 5, uh, 1 and 2. So just a brief note about that before we jump into why was man created and what is our purpose in life. All right, why was man created? I've often heard before that man was created because God needed fellowship. No, he did not. God did not need anything. God still to this day does not need anything. So God did not need to create man. That's all there is to it. Whenever people say that, it's okay to correct them because God did not need to create us. But here's the reason why he did. He created us for his own glory. In the discussion of God's independence earlier, we noted several passages that teach that God does not need us or the rest of creation for anything. Yet we and the rest of creation glorify him and bring him joy. Since there was perfect love and fellowship among members of the Trinity for all eternity, and we know that because of John 17, uh, verse 5 and verse 24, because of that, God did not create us because he was lonely or because he needed fellowship with other persons. God did not need us for any reason, period. Now, I've heard this my entire life. I've, I heard this as a child in Sunday school and growing up in Oklahoma, that God created us because he was lonely and he needed fellowship. And so he created a being with whom to fellowship, and that is simply not correct. God did not need and does not need us for any reason. Nevertheless, God did create us for his own glory. Now, in our treatment of his independence earlier in the 100 series, we noted that God speaks of his sons and daughters from the ends of the earth as those in Isaiah 43, 7, as, quote, those whom I created for my glory, end quote. So Isaiah 43, 7 and Ephesians 1, verses 11 and 12, both tell us God created humanity for his glory. Therefore, everything you do and I do should be all to the glory of God. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do everything to the glory of of God. And so because of that, because that's the reason he created us, we should strive to do everything in our lives to the glory of God. Now, this fact alone, because God created us for his glory, that fact alone brings significance to your life, brings significance to you. This fact guarantees our lives mean something our lives are significant because when we first realize that God did not create, need to create us and does not need us for anything, 
we, we might conclude that our lives have no importance at all. But Scripture is clear in telling us we were created to glorify God, indicating we are important to God Himself. You are important to God. I am important to God. And this, this is the final destination of genuine importance or significance to our lives. If we're truly important to God for all eternity, then what greater measure of importance or significance could we want? Those people who want to take their lives, they don't have a sense of, of why they were created why would you want to take a life and snuff out another person to bring glory and honor to God? Why, why would you want to be against abortion and taking lives of those who could be born to give glory and honor to God for all eternity? And so, so that, that's the reason why we're created according to Scripture. Now let's talk just a moment about what is our purpose in life. We know why were we, we were created, but, but why are we here? What is our purpose specifically in life? Well, the fact that God created us for His glory determines the correct answer to the question, what is our purpose in life? Our purpose must be to fulfill the reason God created us to glorify Him and so when we're speaking with respect to God, that's a good summary purpose of our life. But whenever we think of our interests, we, we make the happy discovery that we are to enjoy God as well and that we are to take delight in Him and in our relationship with Him. So, so conversely as to why you were created for God's glory, but you're also conversely created in the same sense to delight in God and to take joy in that relationship. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10.10. 10. David, the Old Testament tells God, Lord, in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's from Psalm 1611. He also said, Psalm 27, 4, He longs to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. The musician in the book of Psalms, Asaph, Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, he cried out, quote, Whom have I in heaven but you, O Lord? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. So fullness of joy is found in knowing God and delighting in the excellence of His character. To be in His presence, to enjoy fellowship him, with Him, is a greater blessing than anything that can ever be imagined. Let me say that one more time. To be in His presence, God's presence, to enjoy fellowship with Him, is a greater blessing than anything that can ever be imagined. 
Psalm 84, verses 1 and 2 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Therefore, the normal heart attitude of a Christian is rejoicing in the Lord and in the lessons of the life that He gives to us. So, as we glorify God and as we enjoy Him, Scripture tells us that He rejoices in us. What a great thought. What a powerful thought that the God of the universe rejoices in you and rejoices in me. We read in Isaiah 62, 5, quote, As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. What a beautiful picture. Zephaniah prophesied, Zephaniah 3, 17, that the Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. So this understanding of the doctrine of the creation of humanity has very practical results, if you think about it. This 400 series is, is, very, is a very practical series that we'll be talking about. Whenever we realize that God created us to glorify Him, and when we start to act in ways that fulfill that purpose, then we begin to experience an intensity of joy in the Lord that we've never known before. And I hope today, if you do not have that joy in the Lord you will find it in your purpose in life of why God created you. And when we add to that the realization God himself is rejoicing over us in fellowship, singing over us, our joy becomes inexpressible and filled with heavenly glory. No wonder Peter said in 1 Peter 1, 8, that our joy is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, somebody might object that it is wrong for God to seek glory for himself in creating man. Uh, I've heard that before. Well, well, how arrogant of God, how self-serving of God to create beings only for his own glory. And certainly it's wrong for human beings to seek glory for ourselves, as we see in the dramatic example of the death of Herod Agrippa in Acts 12.22. You may remember his story whenever he proudly accepted the shout of the crowd, the voice of a God and not of man. And oh, he accepted that. He reveled in that, wanting to take glory for himself. And Acts 12, 22 says, quote, Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Herod died because he robbed God of glory. Glory that God deserved and that Herod did not deserve. But whenever God takes glory for himself, from whom is he robbing glory? Is there anyone who deserves glory more than God? Well, certainly not. He is the creator. He made all things. He deserves the glory. He is worthy of receiving glory. Man may not seek glory for himself, 
But in, the case, in this case, what is wrong for man is right for God because God is the creator and we are the created. It is right. It is not wrong that he be glorified. In fact, if he did not receive glory from all creatures in the universe, that would be horribly wrong. The 24 elders in Revelation 4, 11 around God's throne sing continually, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and praise. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And Paul exclaims, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever Amen, Romans eleven thirty six. 36. And listen to what it says in Mark 12, 30. When we begin to appreciate the nature of God as the infinitely perfect creator who deserves all praise, then our hearts will not rest until we give him glory with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength as we are created to love God with. Wow. Well, we're just getting started. Why was man created and what is our purpose in life? And we'll continue in our next podcast looking at creation and the image of God. What does it mean to be created in God's image? Well, I hope you have a great week and we will see you next week in our podcast, Truth 101. God bless you.